Do it again. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world. You're listening to Drinks, Jokes, and Storytelling. A martini, shaken, not stirred. Don't try and church it up, son. You can't handle the truth. I am the picture that got small. Your first one's on us. Welcome to Drinks, Jokes, and Storytelling. I'm your host, Mark Rigadonna, and with me as always... Richie Byrne. How are you, brother? I'm good, man. It's week three. We've been uh, getting together. Yeah. We we wouldn't last a week and a half, but here we are. Look at us now. What, um, how was your weekend? Before we start, how was your weekend? It was great. I didn't even know it was the weekend. It's, uh... It's kind of the opposite right now because we work during the week now doing the podcast. Yeah. And the weekends were not yeah. out. You know what I realized on Saturday? Saturday, Hi, Cynthia. On Saturday was three weeks since I got paid anything. Wow. I, yeah, and it- Sunday, I did a guest spot the next night. Three weeks ago, Sunday, I did a guest spot at Governor's. It's the last time I performed. I can't remember the last time I went three weeks without performing. Wow, dude, it's crazy to think about that. I was probably in my early twenties. That's the. It's so weird. Uh, yeah, this yeah. is like the. You know, it's so, like ten years now. It's like the. <laughs> I'll let you get away with that math. Um, <laughs> All right. Um, so, so the way we start every show. Yeah, we're gonna get this out of the way. Here's what we're doing, guys. It's Monday, and that means it's Corona Monday. Uh, every right, that's good. Corona, corona. It, it used to be something that happened at a bar, yes. You know, Corona's yeah, half got, off, like, half price with a lime. But uh, every Monday, because we had Jimmy Cano on last week and he was so great, and everybody loved hearing from him. Jimmy uh, actually was in the hospital from his hospital bed, was on. He had dealt with coronavirus, he is home now, and it got such great response that we decided every Monday we will de- dedicate stories to the coronavirus. So we have a great show today. We have a doctor uh, on the show, and we have uh, from China. From Ground Zero. uh, Joel's father, the wild card. The wild card. I don't know what's more dangerous, the fact he's in China or it's Joel's dad. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of jokes there. (laughs) So that's what we're doing today. It's a little little different show, but not really. uh, But Mark and I get the joke and the drinks out of the way. So uh, what are you drinking, brother? I have so this is kind of cool because it's an adult beverage. Um, it's an adult beverage, but uh, part of the part of the recipe was from my kids, though. Um, this is very cool. I did a Tito's and soda, but then what they did is they made daddy ice cubes with Gatorade. That way, I get the hangover juice with my drink. There you go. Cheers, Duke and Axel. What yeah, what um Duke and Axel kicking it going old school. What um <laughs> what was it you got me on New Year's Eve you told me to pick up that's good for that? Oh Pedialyte. Pedialyte. Pedialyte is the hangover. It's the best. And if you make make a drink with Pedialyte, you're putting in the all the uh yeah, electrolytes right. with right. your vodka. <laughs> so I'm I'm actually I'm going vodka today. Ah, we're both vodka tonight. Vodka on the rocks. Ah, nice. So, but are your rocks made out of Gatorade? My rocks are made out of human flesh. Oh, beautiful. What do you mean in the glass? Um, 
So what's your joke, brother? You got a joke for me today? Yeah. The, so hanging out at a uh, clubhouse out on a golf course, and a woman comes running in. She comes running in. She goes, oh, my God, oh, my God, I got stung by a bee. I got stung by a bee. And there was a doctor sitting there, and the doctor turns to her and says, uh, where'd you get stung? And she goes, between the first and second hole. And he goes, ooh, you got to widen your stance. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. Silly, but... <laughs> okay, and one other thing we're going to do today before we start, unfortunately, um, a true legend in the comedy world passed away on Saturday night into Sunday morning. If you'd ever been to Dangerfields, if you're a comic and you worked there, if you ever went there, uh, the waiter, Chario Antonio, he's been, been there, there forever. Day one. And there he is there. We took that picture March 3rd, Mark. Actually, that was... Uh, <sighs> Yeah, the, and he lost uh, quite March, a bit of weight. March since... 11th. What am I talking about? March 11th. And uh, Chario was a great, great guy. He'd been there for 50 years. Uh, he he used to. I had not gotten to Dangerfields for a couple of years, and I only went back a few months ago. And I'm really glad I did because I got to really get back in contact with Chario and, and see him. And the last few months, I would be doing my show, and because if you never, if you go on like a Tuesday night. Sometimes there's only like six, seven people in the audience, so you work a lot of new stuff. Mark knows what I'm talking about. Yep. So I'd be on stage, and Jerry would be the only waiter. So I'd start making fun of him. And I'd be like, man, you're old. Look at how old it is. And then I would bring him on stage, and he would tell terrible old jokes. And, <laughs> love it. and he thought it was the greatest thing. He thought it was the greatest thing. A couple of months, couple of months ago, Mark, I actually said he was working, and I'm just going, man. How fucking slow can you be? You know, like, I'm on, on, and I'm going, look at you. Look at this. I, Jesus, you're old. Oh, my God. And I just kept doing it. And finally, he just looked up. And with that, he, you know, he, he was uh, from Greece. He was Greek. And with that Greek accent, he just looked up at me and he goes, fuck you. And <laughs> the audience went crazy. And after the show, he comes up, he goes, I got the biggest laugh of the night. I got the biggest laugh of the night. And, they, and he was really excited about it. And I'm glad I gave him that moment, you know, because he really loved that. And uh, something about him that always I always loved is, A, if you ever watched a Rodney Dangerfield comedy special, the he's young comedian, he's there. He's, he's been in this country. For 200 years, and he still, still had a horrible accent you can barely understand. <laughs> the other thing is, is he did something, and I, I don't know if this is you know too appropriate to say about someone who just passed, but he embraced his age because you know how older people they tend to like you know, when they walk, they seem to let out a little gas. Oh no, he. He nobody nobody could fart like Chariot. He would crop dust the audience the loudest farts yeah. you've ever heard. Yeah. He would lift his leg up right in oh, front yeah. of the stage and shake it out. You know, you know how I knew he was getting old? In the last few years he wasn't doing that as much. Like he couldn't well, he probably had a few accidents. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but he leaves behind a wife and two kids. Um I lost we lost Pete Michaels last week and that was devastating to me, and now we lost Chario. Six days later, and uh, five, six days later. So, um, uh, it's been a tough week, people. And neither yeah. one was coronavirus, they were both heart, but uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't know what to say except God bless you, Chario. 
Hopefully he's up there telling some really bad jokes to St. Peter. <laughs> well, he was St. Peter's older brother, so. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get on with the show. All right. Let's Enough move it forward. Um, great- Go ahead, man. I was going to say we have a very two very special guests today. Very special guests. Our first guest is a very, very good friend of mine. He's somebody I owe a lot to. Um, he operated on my dad. Saved his leg. My, they thought they were going to take my dad's leg, and this guy came in. Do, I wrote Dr. Oz and said, they're, they're, they want to take my dad's leg. And Oz wrote me and said, get Nick Morrissey. For, and, and, I, and I called him, and he went in, and he saw my dad, and he goes, yeah, I can save the leg. Oh, and my God, said, that's awesome. Dude. And he's an amazing guy. From there, we became very good friends. And he's been working it. He's right there. He's, he's at the hospital every day dealing with this, and we thought it'd be great to have him on. He's the Associate Professor of Surgery at Columbia University Medical Center. Give it up for Dr. Nicholas Morrissey. Thank you, Doc. Thank you so much for coming on. Hi. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm great. Thanks. You're working hard. Yes. Yes. Go ahead. Tell, tell, Tell the audience basically what your week is like, what your day is like, what what's going on. Yeah, so the big change is working different, right? So you know my life before. I was a vascular surgeon. I operate Late, amazing surgeon, right. Four and a half days a week, I see patients, and the operating room is where I live and do 15 or 20 cases a week. You know, when this started coming, uh, we, we knew it was going to be big. Um, in the last about three weeks, we've converted the vast majority of our operating rooms into intensive care units. And Wow. The operating rooms. Yeah, the operating rooms. So where I, my theater, where I do my thing is now a place where I go do my thing. But instead of having one patient and a scalpel and instruments, there are four patients with ventilators. And uh, so they're all ICUs. And, and significant parts of the hospital have been converted to ICUs to manage the sickest of the sick patients. So we changed jobs a little bit too. We went from being surgeons to being intensive care unit doctors, almost like um, as... Um, um, proteges of our of our critical care doctors who are teaching us and reminding us, and, you know, getting us back up to speed on things like taking care of ventilators, taking care of medications, and things like that. Right. And one of the other things we do is like last night I worked overnight with some of my residents, and we were sort of like a mobile surgical unit. And when these patients need things like we got to put catheters in their veins to give them medications to keep their hearts going and stuff. We get a call on our phone and we, we go there with our bag and my residents and I, we put in catheters and, and do that. I'm just really, really proud of the people that I work with, my residents, the, all the docs, the entire institution, because they really, really rallied and turned the place into a, into a whole, different, uh, whole different thing. But that's how things have changed. So with, oh, there we go, Christian, with a nice uh, comment. Thank you, Nick, for all you do and working on the front line. I uh, So, I mean, it, it's... How how much how much more crowded is it than you anticipated? It's interesting. The it's an eerie kind of a thing because when you walk around the hospital, you don't necessarily get the sense of of an overwhelming crowd. But when you go to the places where you that used to be your you recognized for a certain thing, they're different. So, in other words, like I said, an operating room. Which you know, I was looking through the door the other night, and I looked up and I saw the operating room lights were sort of they were almost mothballed. They were out of the picture. They weren't relevant anymore because we had this whole other focus. So there's there's no question that the mood is very different and it's on everybody's mind. 
and I, and I won't say it's somber. It's a mood of really everybody's in this and they're fighting and they're working really hard. I mean, from the people that clean the rooms who are just as much at risk, perhaps as we are, uh, to the nurses who are absolutely incredible, the greatest frontline workers, they're in there all the time, to my residents who have just sort of stepped up and, and rolled up their sleeves, uh, not literally, because you have to have everything covered, but, um, but everybody's well, just- You know, we, last week we had uh, a friend of ours, Jimmy Can Canizero on, and he, he had the virus and he was in the hospital in Brooklyn. And he said, to, I don't think he said this on our show, but he said it to me later that he never, if he, if you asked him to name someone that worked on him, he wouldn't be able to do it because people came in and they were completely covered from head to toe. So he never really saw faces, which yeah. I guess you don't think about that, that every doctor, every nurse that walks through the door has got to be covered. Yeah. And, Especially when we're on the ventilator, right? And then they're usually they're sedated pretty heavily when they're on the ventilator because you don't right. want. And so it's that's that's to me one of the most tragic parts is the loneliness of these folks because they can't get visitors, right? Because oh my of God, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's it. But we have a system. We actually have a. Um, there's a person on each shift in the ICU that's in charge of like family relations and and being in contact with the family and relaying messages and things like that. So. Yeah, we sort of wow. thought of everything. Yeah. 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 That's got to be so hard for the family. I thought of that. My friend Jimmy's wife, Jenna. Well, first of all, she was quarantined at home, which people don't think about. If someone's sick, whoever they were living with can't go, they couldn't go to the hospital anyway. They might have the virus. Right. Well, on top of it, if you go to the hospital, you get the virus. So she, you know, she was in hell dealing with the fact that he was there. And it was, she said the same thing. They were very good about keeping in contact with her. Uh, and I think that's amazing and things you don't think about with nurses and doctors that they're not only in the front lines, but they have to think about the people back home. Yeah, that's a big deal. Big deal. Um, I, don't, so, I, don't, I don't go to visit my kids uh, for the last three weeks. I FaceTime with them every day. Right. Colleagues who are. Can I just say Mark's very jealous of you right now? <laughs> well, if you need any help, I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> I have three weeks with uh, that's all I do. Yeah, Mark's been with his boys. Mark has two boys, so oh. I'm uh, watching my wife try to wrangle them out of the room as I'm in here. They're trying to come in to see what I'm doing. They're three or uh, four and five, so they're oh. like trying to get in and see what they they know that my computer is called the podcast station and to leave me alone <laughs> when I'm on it. How long before <laughs> this really hit were you guys preparing? Did you? Did you did you see it being this bad? Did you think it was going to be worse? What were there meetings about it? Hey, here's what's going to happen, or was it more? Wow, this is getting worse than we thought. You know, it's hard to say when we started talking about it. it probably goes back well into February. Uh, I, I remember going driving somewhere on March first, and I remember because I don't usually drive, but I was listening to the radio, and we were the big thing on the news on March first was that. The first case in New York was getting tested to see if somebody had it. So that's a month ago, and we're up to 100-something thousand cases. So it, it rolled really fast. I think we all knew it was coming, and I think there was, there was a plan in place based on what the projected needs would be. And I think that's why they were able to execute it on the level of the hospital and the institution so quickly. But to convert these rooms so fast. So that one day they're in an operating room, the next day they're in ICU, and then a day later they're full. 
that's a pretty phenomenal feat. Yeah. There was there was a lot of anticipation. I don't think there was an expectation of the exact magnitude, but I think everybody knew it had the potential to be big. Right. And have you seen people go home though? Have you seen patients get better? So we um we don't. One of the things about sort of our roles is that we don't have a tremendous amount of continuity. That's true. Right. But, but we're taking care of the folks in the ICU, and the ICU patients they do um, tend to get better and leave. But it takes a long time with this disease. Whereas if you're on a ventilator in most types of diseases, you're on for three or four days. The coronavirus disease in the lungs causes people to require like two weeks on the ventilator. So you may not, but but people are recovering. If you look at the statistics online, you know most people do recover. And but there's a there's enough of a number of people who really suffer badly that that it makes the magnitude of this really bad. Right. There's and part of, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Mark, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, there's part of this, it kind of feels like uh, the book, I Am Legend, you know, we're part of it, like from an outsider of New York City. I lived there for a long time, but now I'm not living there. I kind of feel like that it, it must have that kind of vibe, that it's like, feel like the end of the world almost vibe. You know, it's, uh, it is like that. I, I you know, when I was a, fellow training in 2001 when 9-11 actually I was my first year in practice 9-11 and that was the day that you know everybody's head was like that surreal where are we kind of a thing this is kind of like that and it's not slow motion but it's it's more prolonged it's like every day in some ways is like that it's the thing that's on everybody's mind um and so it, it and, and you look outside the streets are empty and um it's a whole different world it, it's a very surreal feeling um I don't think people are people on that are working or not. At least the the ones that I work with on a regular basis, they're tired, but people are not getting discouraged. They're hanging in there pretty, yeah. pretty well. Yeah, because uh, that's interesting. Now you you're military too, right? In the past, I was in the reserves. Yeah, you're in the reserves, and did did you feel any training from that has helped you with this? To what to expect, or yeah, because we did a lot of training on things like mass casualties. We did. We did training on things like triage. Because right? it sounds almost like a mesh type of setup, but with, you know. Higher tech. Yeah. <laughs> High tech mesh. Yeah, I think in the sense that you're, you're, and as people have used this term when they've talked about this, that you're, you're fighting with the army you have and not the one you want. You just got to do with what you have. And, and yeah, there's a lot of cobbling things together in, in a way like you do it in the military. And, but it's been quite effective so far. Have you dealt, has anyone, <laughs> has anyone applauded you yet? Have you had any of that where, um, you know, uh, people applaud uh, at the different hospitals and things like that? Have you seen any of that or? We've seen, like when I go out of the hospital onto Broadway before I head down to the subway, there's been people out there with signs. Uh, my kids participate in that seven o'clock at night thing and uh, they clap out the window and they send me videos of that. And I've actually been able to hear it a few times. I think it's incredible. Wow. Uh, all around the city, people at seven o'clock for two minutes. And it's really something. Um, oh, that's great. Cool. Yeah. You know, listen, on, on Facebook and stuff, you know, I, all my friends and people that I've grown up with, I get texts all the time checking on my well being and, and thanking me. And, uh, it, you know, it, it, I feel very safe. I know I'm exposed a lot, especially now that we're dealing with the patients one on one, but we, we, have, we have plenty of protective equipment. And we, we, we studied again how to use it because you don't always use it all the time and made sure we were good at it. 
I know I'm exposed on a continuous basis, but I feel healthy. Uh, I feel strong. And I, I think- know I've been following you on Facebook and you, <laughs> I, I know you're still running a lot. Yeah. Which, well, that's, my, that's my COVID test. I told you, right? Yeah. You, yeah. You, that, as long as you can run, you're breathing. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> I'm in a lot of trouble then. I've had I was this, about to say. I've had this uh, virus for about five years, Nick. um so you what what do you how long do you see this not that you're an expert in that end but how long do you see this going you know all of a sudden we're at april 30th and we know that that's probably not going to be the end and uh you know cuomo talked today that we're kind of leveling off maybe yeah i mean I don't mean to put this on you, but what do you? If- well, no, no, but I think it's a question that everybody should be asking themselves and look at the data, look at the numbers. I, I look at that. There's Johns Hopkins has this, a tally that if you go to the Johns Hopkins uh, public health website, there's a thing that puts the worldwide cases in the in the cases and it refreshes every hour, and you can see that I think the numbers are leveling a little bit. And I think in New York there is going to, you know, there has been a bit of a change. You know, the number of admissions to the ICUs are down. The number of discharges are going up. So, and if you look at other countries who have gone through it, Italy being, I think, the worst in terms of the, the sustained peak. Right. As far as we know, because we don't believe China. But. That, that's true. That's true. I think they probably had a lot more deaths than, than they yeah. said. But I think there's reason to believe that come April 30th, we may be on a downslope in terms of new cases. And we may start to be able to you know, bring some things back to normal. One of the things that I think is key, people want to go back to work. They want to go back to life. There's going to be start to be some more widespread testing for antibodies, which means mm-hmm. the, they check your blood. And if you have antibodies to it, that means you've had it, mm-hmm. but you may not have it anymore. Um, and then we can identify people who are, who are called convalescent and they can maybe go. So to that point, not to do too much of a plug, but Columbia and some other places are doing a study where they can they can test patients who think they've had it or have had it and make sure that they, they don't have the virus anymore. They swab them, say, okay, you don't have virus anymore, but you have antibodies. And those people can then go to the New York Blood Center and donate plasma, which can then be used in a study to give to really sick people to try to shut down the disease. So there's a lot of hope in that respect. So you're So even if I don't... I haven't had any symptoms. Yeah. Actually, the funny thing is, is I have, but you know, you cough once and you flip out now. That's you know true. What I mean? True. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you wake up and you feel a little achy and you go, oh no, I'm old. It's okay. Yeah. But like, <laughs> um, but should everyone then get tested to see if, are we at the point yet where they can say you've had it, you're over it, go give blood because that can help someone who's really sick or- well, well, are we not there yet? Those things are being done under the guise and the auspices of a clinical trial. So right. there, there are certain criteria that are required to get you into that. And most of the time they want to confirm that you've at least symptomatically probably had the disease because th- there's limited resources to be able to test people for both. And so they want to try to make sure that the people that are coming in have, are probably going to turn out to have had it. I think down the road, it'll open up. And, you know, what's the, one of the funny things I've noticed is that I, when I talk to people outside of my world, I hear more stories about them having had it, mm-hmm. that they know having had it, than, than the people that are where they're swimming in it, you know, in the walls where I am. You know, I know most of us probably, or a lot of us have had it, 
but I hear about it a lot more on the outside. Yeah. Well, do you think, again, is that the herd mentality where of, you know, being around it all the time might help you build up an immunity to it or? Uh, there, there may be, it may be that we're the walking well. A lot of us have had it and gone. And and, gone. Yeah, you fought through it. Yeah, but but some there's no question. I don't want to minimize the numbers because a lot of healthcare workers have gotten really sick. Yes. Um, yeah. And yeah. Uh, but but we we have a we have a smart system for protecting ourselves, and um, and so I think uh, I think you don't see a lot of people or anybody where I am sort of backing down from from getting into the fight. Right. So. And what do you have any take on this hydrochloroquine? Hydroxychloroquine? Or? I think it's a great concept, and I do have a take on it in the sense that uh, it's a drug that's been around for a long time. It does have some significant side effects. and most what, of, are, what are the side effects? I haven't heard much about the side effects. So the, mo the, mo the thing that's most um, dangerous is that the electrical conduction system of the heart can be impacted by it, and it can cause longer pauses, which can, in people who are susceptible, can just make your heart stop, which obviously that's Okay. That's game over. So can't walk that one off. Yeah. So there's some evidence like in a test tube and on the Petri dish that it inhibits the virus and it actually may calm down the inflammatory response. So it's being used and it's being used in, 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 you know, freely in patients who may benefit from it. But as with anything, you need to collect data over time to see if it works. So unfortunately the real answer will come after we're out of this. But I don't think it's wise to be at home taking it. I think no. one of the things that bothered me is a lot of people got their doctors to give them a prescription when they heard about it. And then now people that I know who have lupus, who use it for their lupus, they can't get it. So, mm -hmm. so I, there's one thing I can tell people if you want to see about treatments and studies and things like that, listen to Fauci. Okay, that's all you got to do. That's a very simple formula. That guy knows everything about this stuff. And he's the smartest. You know, it, it, it's funny how... You said that to me before. I saw Dr. Drew Pinsky on TV, and he said, follow Fauci. I saw Dr. Oz. He said, follow Fauci. Um, what's his name? Uh, at CNN, follow Fauci. And so I, I think that's really a great thing. We're going to have to get pins made, double F. Follow Fauci. But I think <laughs> it's a great thing when you see doctors that I personally know and respect, yeah. you know, like Sanjay Gupta, that's who, and, yeah. and, and, and you and, and every one of you. Every one of you says, yeah, Fauci's the man, follow Fauci. So I think that's, uh, at well, least you know we have the right person leading the way. That guy, if you not to, you know, his biography, this guy, he drove the understanding of the AIDS epidemic. He was the mm -hmm. guy that led that whole thing. Now, back in the 80s, early 80s, it took three years to identify the virus that caused AIDS. Can you imagine if it... You just think about how these guys, they, they go into the lab. Wow. They're, un, they're not, you know, no one goes to Fauci's Instagram page. Maybe not, maybe they will now, but not before. Like these guys aren't famous. They go and do their work, these men and women. And they go from the point where 20, 30 years ago, four years ago, three years to find the virus. This time it took like a month just because right. of the techniques that they developed. So yeah. he, he's the real deal. And he, you know, he'll, you know, there, it's plenty. It's great to have people like me on and people on television to, to talk and that kind of thing. But the bottom line is, if you had one resource, Tony Fauci. Right. It is, uh, but it, I think it is important to have guys like you coming on because it, it allows people like me who don't know what's going on. I don't have time to try to follow everything because I well, have two little kids. What's that? 
You have nothing going on. Stop <laughs> drinking all day, Mark. Well, I, I have to keep up the name of the show, <laughs> and God knows you're not keeping your end of the bargain. <laughs> Nick, we, Mark makes a good point, though, where this is very frustrating. I, I'm speaking for you, Mark. This is very frustrating for all of us as performers right now because yeah. any situation that we have ever been in, any catastrophe that has happened, there's always a show where we can raise money and we can do that. And this is the first time where we can't do that. Yeah. or we're, we're not in a great position. They're starting to come up with some, some things for online comedy, which I think is, and music, which I think will either work or it won't. But I think it's great that they're trying. It'll be uh, great for the viewer. It's going to suck for the artist. Yeah, it's going <laughs> to suck for the artist. You're right. But uh, what, what can we do? What, is there anything we can do that you guys need? Is there something to help you guys in this time when, when you're working all the time and I'm sitting at home going, I got nothing. Yeah. I mean, we don't work when we're actually yeah, working. We're not, we don't work. So on, we need something to feel better about we, ourselves. Basically Mark and I have lost 45 minutes of our day. That's yeah. it. That's about <laughs> it. <laughs> well, everybody that I know, says that and i think one of the things i'm most proud of at least people in my life is that and and everybody they're so dedicated to trying to make this better for the world so like i have a, I have a instructor a, a trainer that i work with who's a really dear friend of mine and she called me the other day she's like what can i do about this how can i help so i thought i'm going to talk to the hospital and see if we can do like some streaming uh training sessions for the nurses and doctors who are doing the work and try to find you know just even like podcasts and that kind of thing that she can provide motivation and training, physical uh, training. You guys obviously wouldn't do that, but right. you, know, no. you, know, you don't want training from us. But I think if you want to do like this, I don't know if you just speaking about it and letting the letting people like us know that you really are uh, concerned about us and want to help. I think that's terrific. There have been, you know, it's hard to tell people in this crisis to donate money because everyone's getting is, is looking at an economic downturn without a doubt. I mean, the, the economics of this in the future are going to be, I think, devastating. So I would prefer that people take their whatever their craft or their gift may be and figure out maybe a small way that they can help or provide some kind of comfort to even just a small number of people that are, you know, that are doing the work. Um, and, and then I think everybody's really doing the work emotionally. I, I don't there's so many people that say, oh, I feel like I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything. But trust me, we, we know that you're there. And just the the expression of gratitude is is worth it. Wow. Thank you so much, Doc. We all know the expression of gratitude that we really have. And Thank you. you guys, Richie, 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 you can do a, a workout video for us. You guys are so true. You're true here. Hey, I've been walking four miles a day, my friend. You see? This if, oh. if we could get Richie in an all-gray sweatsuit doing yoga on camera... I, I think we would all be better and drinking, but, but Nick, <laughs> you, you guys, it's, you know, our president keeps saying we're at war and it's what we're watching. You guys are the front lines, man. The front line in our own homes. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty much a first for our country in over 200 years. So it, we couldn't have better people in the front line, Nick, I guess is what I'm saying. You're a great doctor. You're a great friend. We'd love to have you back. You're just, Please the, come back. The only thing I would take a second and say, the one thing that really, to me, is most impactful, it's a, when it's bad, it's really bad. And I feel 
my heart breaks for these people that are going through this and their families. And I know you guys all get that. And I think that's, you know, that's really just the magnitude of it is really compelling. So we'll get to the other side and, 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 you know, your guys doing this kind of stuff is extremely important. So I appreciate it. Oh, well, we appreciate you. Thank you so much, Nick. We'll talk, we'll talk to you soon. We'll have you back soon. Okay. You got it. Thank you very much. Give it up for Dr. Nicholas Marcy right there. That was awesome. How about, man? How about us sounding smart? I know. That's why I didn't say much. I, you didn't say a word, man. <laughs> was I prepared? You were. I was good. Buddy, I'm so proud of you. All right. I feel like uh, I feel like you just hit a home run and daddy's in the stands clapping. That's my boy. That's my boy. We, I think we need to dumb it down a little bit. And I can't think of two people better to well, dumb the show down. I got good news and I got bad news. <laughs> the good news is we're already dumb as you can get. The bad news is Wildcard dropped out. He's uh, He was online. Um, oh. So we're going to bring out Joel. And really? then, uh, yeah, if the Wildcard can get back on, we'll have him on. Um, but Joel, why don't you come back out, baby? Yeah, uh, the, the wild card has some firewall issues because he uh, he keeps going on the VPN. The, the, uh -oh. oh, there he is. <laughs> there he is, ladies and gentlemen. The one, the only, Mr. Joe Richardson. From ground zero. My fellow Americans. Look at you. Look at you. You are – you, dude, can I ask you something? You've been eating any bats lately, you son of a bitch? You've been eating some bats? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I noticed. Asshole. Are you kidding me? That's good. <laughs> Wear a mask while you do this so no one can understand a fucking word you're saying. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> you know my son's pissed off. His favorite, his favorite superhero is Batman. <laughs> he is really pissed off someone's eating bats. Uh, I have a video I can send you guys uh, of the guys up in, uh, up in Wuhan eating bat soup. Ooh. Right, right, and, and and the guy's talking in Chinese, and he's explaining that you should cut the head off first before you eat the bat. <laughs> I gotta say, so here's something that made me. Uh, I was gonna say in front of the doc, but it was one of those things where I didn't want to look like an idiot. Um, in the in the in the book, I am legend. The reason that guy survived this uh, outbreak was he was bit by a bat in Korea that was infected by the disease that killed everyone else. So he was immune to it, and he was the reason. Is there any correlation? Is there... <laughs> Yo, when did you go back to China? November. Uh -huh. And when did the virus hit in China? Uh, December. When did well, you serve that bat soup to those I, people? I think it's a sexual disease, my friend. It hit in December. Okay, a doctor in Wuhan found the virus in December, but the Chinese government and you know, and I could be blocked out at any time for talking about this, guys. Just to let you know, the, uh, wow, the, they really? blocked it. Yeah, it's. I'm going through the Chinese firewall, and if they don't like what I'm doing, I'm gone. Um, so the doctor found the virus, and but they covered it up. They totally covered it up. And right. if they would, if they would have addressed it at that point in time, mm -hmm. there would have been far less contamination across the board than. than well, I'm, I'm sure you're going to be cut off any moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, my God. 
You went right. You went right for the jugular. You didn't even buy the Chinese government dinner. It's the Chinese virus, right? He's busy fingering turkeys. I'll be on the phone with my dad, and he'll say those words: China, communists, business. He'll get cut off, and then call me back and explain again why he just got cut off, and then say the words and get cut off again. <laughs> and that is why you are the wild card. So, Joe, where are you in China? I'm in Shenzhen, China, which is the uh, southernmost uh, city in China. Uh, right now, and the next, if you go across the border, you're in Hong Kong. Okay. Oh, wow. All right. And how are things there? Uh, they're starting, you know, this past week, they've really started to lighten up, uh, uh, you know, uh, most of the shops that have survived uh, this time are starting to open. Uh, the grocery stores are open. Uh, a lot of the restaurants are starting to open. They're allowing uh, more social interaction between, you know, crowds, you know, in the in the. Uh, community, so uh, bat soup is on sale. What's that? Bat soup is on sale. Um, no, bat soup's been taken off the menu. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine it would be cheap as hell are they, now. Are they still limiting people in like restaurants and things like that? Like we're talking about doing no. here? No. Are people are a lot of people still wearing masks and things? Everybody wears a mask that's outside. Are they? Do they have to, or they just do? Uh, it's. It's it's voluntary. It's voluntary, but everybody's doing. But if you don't have one off, you get the Chinese stare. All right, 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 right. And the thing is that uh, everybody talks about being quarantined here, but my dad actually was is had been quarantined over there. No social interaction, no visitors, none of his friends by himself. Sixty days. Really? <laughs> right. Yeah. Did you at least have, at least have? Uh, well, let, me, let me tell you, it was not a good time. <laughs> no. Richie, whatever the end of that sentence was, no. 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 no, I, no, no. I, still, I still have the calluses. You know what's uh, funny? I still, you have a little something, something. And that could mean like five different things with Joe. I'm going to just say right now, at the end of those 60 days, there was a small volcano that went off in China. <laughs> yeah, and the lights came on. Boom. <laughs> Oh, oh my god but, yeah, but, he, but he said all the places came back open when they did open it was full throttle so although they, they've taken a little bit of time to come back open when they did it was full did, did they have trouble how can i put did the government help out small businesses like they're talking about doing here uh yes they did yes uh and you you have a business out there that was i am i am a i am a usa based business right and you guys were completely shut down. Completely shut down. Wow. Factories, are, factories are about, factories, majority of the factories are at about 70% right now. Capacity. And, are you, and you're back up running. I'm back up running, yeah. Okay, good. Thank God. Yeah. I, yeah. I, actually, went, I actually went to, uh, I went to a city, it's about an hour away uh, the past two days. Uh, to do a project for one of the large retailers in uh, the United States, we're making a uh, we're making a condom. We're making a silicone condom for over top of the credit card machines. There was probably some other ways to explain that. Thank you, Dad. Her words, not mine. <laughs> okay. I don't mind being in the condom business. Are you kidding me? 
god. All right, yeah. guys. I uh, we're we're well, hitting the forty. Doctor Nick, at this point, <laughs> we're hitting the forty mark, so we should start to wind down. Um, <laughs> we should start no, winding no. down. It's you getting were, a little... You were pretty much by yourself for sixty days. Correct. Pretty uh, much. The only time, the, the first two weeks, the first two weeks were the scariest for me because, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, I wasn't prepared for it. So I didn't have a, you know, you don't have large refrigerators here and pantries here like you have in the United States. Mm -hmm. So you don't stockpile a lot of food. You go to the grocery store every day or every two days, you know, to buy fresh food, you know, for your, for your meals and everything. So I wasn't prepared for this lockdown. So after about a week, I had to go out to the grocery store to get to get food and, and water because and, you don't drink the tap water here because you'll grow a third eye. Um, so I went to the grocery store. There was very few people in the grocery store and there was no fresh food. There was nothing on the shelf. Really? Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't until about the third or fourth week into this virus that the store started to get resupplied with fresh vegetables and, and fresh meats and everything. So, so I guess was, was, a major question to ask you is, do you, when you go to the bathroom at your apartment, is it Western style? It is Western style. I do not do a squatty potty. No. So you still had to stock up on the paper. Were you good? <laughs> paper, was, paper was never a problem here. Okay. Was, this, it's well, an American thing. You know, yeah, but you know why? Because we're they, assholes. No, they didn't see right, but they didn't see it coming <laughs> as far as once we saw what was happening in China and then really Italy, everybody freaked out and ran to the store and bought toilet paper. <laughs> that's, that's the strangest thing to me. But you know, I, it, if you go need a couple containers of, of toilet paper, I'd be happy to help you out. You, you know? <laughs> Listen, I I don't want to brag here, but uh, I didn't even know there was going to be an issue. We still haven't had to go out and buy toilet paper. Yeah, who <laughs> did prepare though? I my house is always has about four months supply at all times. That way before there was any kind of issue. <laughs> it, it's a pinch. It's a pinch. Just go for the pinch. It's just amazing that he has no connectivity issues whenever that happens. <laughs> it's standard here. I mean, they use very, very little toilet paper here. It's not, you know. All right. Let's, let's move on. <laughs> Why? Our numbers finally went up. This is a, this is a standard issue right here. One, <laughs> one That's it. That's what you get. One sheet. Are you, what are you drinking there, Joseph? I'm drinking uh, tea from uh, Yunnan. Okay. Tea. What kind of tea you got? It's Yunnan tea from Yunnan, from the province of Yunnan. What? Yeah. And what do you? <laughs> what time is it there? Uh, it is uh, I don't know, uh, 8:40 in the morning. Oh, you're you're 12 hours ahead of us. Correct. So, Correct. so uh, here's a good dad joke for us, since we didn't have a guest do a joke. You know what kind of tea I have? What kind? MT. Oh. <laughs> Richie, you know, I'm going to start writing for you for the joke you know, of the day. Three weeks and it has nothing to do with the virus. <laughs> <laughs> so, Joe, what what are you uh, 
What do you think is going to happen here? You think we'll be stuck in here for two months? You think it'll be? We're already three weeks into this uh, quarantine. Uh, well, uh, you know, it, I think I think it really depends on the it depends on the population, it depends on the people, uh, it depends on how serious the population takes the virus and and how they handle uh, how they handle the preventive you know part of 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 the virus. I mean, I, I don't see that you know we're getting requests for masks by the millions. I mean, yeah, uh, but I don't but I don't see anybody wearing them. Where? I see, I see people I the news here, and I see people in the street, and I don't see anybody wearing a mask. In America? Yeah, that's, yeah. it's oh, rare. No. I'm, I see a lot of people with masks. Now, yeah. I yeah, do. but that's because you're in an insane asylum. But I will, <laughs> I will, I will tell you that. And oh, did we lose him? No, he's still there. Okay, I thought maybe the American government. Yeah. I will tell you that. Um, when this all first started, nice. He's still there. When this all first started, they were saying the masks don't help. That you you need a specific kind of mask. The masks don't really help. Now they're saying wear a mask, a scarf, whatever you have, and um, they're saying, well, it won't help you. It won't keep it from you getting it, but if you have it, it will help prevent the spread of it. And correct. I don't right. know how true that is, but that's what they're saying now. You know, the I, mask, if you sneeze or if you cough and, 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 you know, it comes out of your mouth, okay? And if you're yeah. close to somebody else, it goes on them. Even if it goes on their hand and if they touch their eye or they touch their mouth, they get it. Yeah. Right? So the mask catches those particles of the virus and keeps it from being spread, you know? You know, so, so, so four billion people wouldn't be wearing masks if it didn't work. Well, I have a theory. <laughs> I I, have a theory I can't after, wait to hear that. I have a theory after you, Richie. I think that um, it's a way, and I'm not knocking the government for doing this, but it's a way to make us feel like we're involved in some way. We're all sitting home, losing our minds. How do? What can I do? Wear a mask. It'll make you feel you you you're helping the situation if you wear a mask. I don't know how much. It's just my opinion. I don't oh, know. I thought you were going to say getting people to make masks was no, trying to, like we're going to do that, Rosie the Riveter. I think we need masks. I think the obviously they need them in the hospitals. I'm just saying the general public just stay away from each other. It's that simple. Then you won't need a mask. Oh yeah, yeah. Stay stay at home until this whole thing right. is over. I mean, I have to say this, uh, but stay at home. And if you do have to go out, you know, to get food or get, you know, right some. some Wear a mask. Wear some type of. I understand, but I, I do worry Look. that people go. No, I wore a mask. It's okay. It's not okay. Stay home. Stay home. Yeah. Right. Know? Right. Um, and we will we'll be over. We lost Joe. I mean, so the show just got better. <laughs> we, well, he's back. It's back. Wow, your father did some shitty things about you while you were gone, man. Well, I was going to say, it's amazing that when when, when uh, the wild card's over in China, the longer he's there, the slower he talks to English, even though it's our first language. He talks to us slower and without with words missing. That's just because he thinks we're dumb. <laughs> well, no, 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 listen. I think the word think is the wrong one. He knows we're dumb. No, no, no. You get used to, you get used to, there's a lot of words in the English language that are not in the Chinese vocabulary, okay? 
-hmm. So you get used to using, you know, and talking a certain way here so people understand you. Well, I know there's three in the English language that aren't in the Chinese vocabulary, and that's don't eat bats. (laughs) (laughs) Wild card, have you ever eaten a bat? No. Be honest. Wild cards ain't no. worse than a bat. I did eat some petrified eggs last night for dinner. Did you really? What's that taste uh, like? What? Why were they scared? Like... Uh, they're, 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 <laughs> they're fucking Amelia Bedelia burn. Yeah. <laughs> why were they petrified? What were they scared of? They, they bury them. They bury them for like thirty days in the ground, uncooked, and they 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 literally rot. That smells like something I did last night. Are you? Okay. Are you? Yeah. Um, are you? And you're in your apartment now, Joe. I am. Yes. Is that your window? Is that a window? Can you? What? That's my. That's my. It's my door. It's my door to my patio. Oh, oh okay. Because it looked. Yeah. Is it, it just? It looks nice. Is it a nice day out there? Um. It's a little overcast, but it's okay. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Just. It blows my mind that it's. You know, eight eight forty six here. I I just always think that's amazing. It's and they don't hours. they don't spring ahead. They stay the same time. We change time, so we don't yeah. change. right. But but we don't change time by twelve hours. So, bro, when you guys do when you guys do the uh, when you guys do the time change, it becomes thirteen hours difference. Right, right. here and there. Must be yeah. must be mm-hmm. to figure out. Well, wild card. We appreciate you having you coming on, man. Yeah, thanks All for right, coming right. on. We should probably wrap here. We're at 50. You guys have been yeah. awesome. Wildcard, the doc, you guys, uh, that's strange jokes and storytelling. Last call. Thanks for listening to Drinks, Jokes, and Storytelling.